It should be obvious that we cannot solve a crisis with the same methods that got us into it in the first place. This is a last chance saloon. Because if we don't really take the decisions that are vital now, it's going to be almost impossible to catch up. We will end the moratorium on extracting our huge reserves of shale, which could get glass flowing as soon as six months. If unprecedented changes are not made and made soon, there will be irreversible damage to the planet. Zero carbon is tall. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonist, a series for Fool's Gold. I'm Ian Collins and this is the UK's number one environment-based podcast. If it's green, it's in. And Dale Vince joins us with big ass headphones on his head. What's going on, Dale? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> They're actually not that big. Some of the ones in radio studios are still massive. Are they? Yeah, you're like a Cyberman. You don't, but you do in the other A little bit, a little bit. I think you're right. Because we, we never had cameras on before, did we? So it didn't matter. And it's kind of random, you know. Every time I turn this on, I, I either hear you in the laptop speakers or these work. Today it's these. So. They look great. I think it's. A, I think you should, you should get some. wear them on the touchline. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> See how that works out. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot to get through here, Dale. Some cracking questions as well. We always urge people to keep those questions coming in. And, of course, to follow you on social media, twitter.com slash Dale Vince, and the same with Facebook and Insta and TikTok and the like. So we're, we're kind of all over it in that respect. And the more places we are, the more questions come in. So we'll get to as many as we can along with the big kind of enviro stories of the week. Uh, here's one to start off with. Billions worth of renewable energy projects stuck on hold. What the hell is going on? This is a grid story. Uh, ultimately, there's not enough grid in the country to connect all of the renewable projects that want to connect. A lot of people are being quoted 10 or 15 year waiting times to connect their renewable energy project. And, you know, I think part of the problem is that we moved away from the early years of renewable energy when we had decentralized uh, approach to that. We, we had small projects that were spread out amongst the grid uh, and didn't require massive upgrades. We've gone to the other end of the extreme now with huge offshore wind parks, for example. And I was hearing today of a 60-acre site being set aside just for transformers to connect an offshore wind farm in Scotland. I mean, that's a huge piece of land. And these big projects basically need massive grid upgrades in order to shift the power around. And, and fundamentally, it's because we've gone away from the the true nature of renewable energy, which is decentralization, lots of small generators blending in with the grid. But yeah. it's worth noting that there's enough energy waiting to be connected to get us to 100% green electricity. There's enough waiting. And just to dovetail that, Dale, this is a, a, an amazing headline. Wind power generated more electricity than gas-fired power stations for the first time ever in the first three months of this year, according to new data. Almost a third of Britain's electricity, 32.4%, came from wind in the first quarter of 2023. Something that Jacob Rees-Mogg says is not possible. <laughs> that's right. He's not alone. I think there are a few right-wing commentators that say that's not possible. But these records keep tumbling, right? It was only a few years ago that uh, wind overtook coal yeah. uh, on, the, on the national grid and, and nuclear. And, uh, you know, it won't be long now. We're like somewhere between 50 and 60% annually now as all forms of renewable, not just wind. And, you know, the, the gap that we have to close is between... 40 and 50%. And, and as we know, that's waiting in the queue, actually, waiting for the grid to uh, sort itself out. So 100% is totally possible. And, you know, maybe it's even possible on the timescale that Labour sets out, which is um, 2030, I think. I think so. 
Yeah. I, I mean, when you, when you hear voices like, uh, I, I might be wrongly attributing all of this to Jacob Rees-Mogg, but when you hear that kind of cynicism uh, about it, do you think it is, A, because he's just not read up enough on this stuff and is ill-informed and listening to the wrong people, or B, because he's a <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure that B is true, but uh, I don't. Be- I don't believe it's the uh, it's the reason. I, I think people like him just aren't read up as 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 you say, you know. Because like I had a chat to Nigel Farage some months ago, and and the first thing he said to me was, "We can't get to 100 percent renewable energy." So I threw him some stats, and he said, "Okay, but we don't have enough land." And I told him it would take one percent of our land, and he said, "Oh, okay, but uh, but what about when the wind doesn't blow?" You know, just moving from kind of myth to myth to myth, which exist in right-wing circles about why we can't get to 100% green energy. I think, uh, what's his name? Mog, Reese Mogg is just one of those people that doesn't understand facts, like Julia Hartley Brewer, you know, who, who told me we can't make steel without coal, oblivious to the fact that it's happening right now. And suggested that you are trying to uninvent the wheel. <laughs> That's right. And bless. <laughs> we will never forget that moment. No. Here's a question from April, who emailed to zerocarbonista at ecotricity.co.uk, who says, what is more dangerous, climate change or artificial intelligence? That's a great question. That is a good question. I'm going to say climate change uh, because we have hard data on that. We know it's been happening a long time. Uh, we know it's happening now, the climate crisis. We can see the impacts and we can see where it's heading. It's absolutely real. The fear over artificial intelligence is not so rooted in facts and evidence. So I'm going to go for climate change. I think the fact that neither you or I are actually here right now, and this is just being generated <laughs> through some kind of robotic quantum computing program is maybe disturbed. Quite a lot of evidence there, though. I think there's some evidence that that's uh, what's been running the country the last 13 years, actually. That's very true, and not switched on properly either. Uh, <laughs> the UK government to approve massive North Atlantic oil field. Talk about a juxtaposition with our previous conversation. This ties into something uh, Sunak said in the House of Commons today, actually. He said we're going to need oil for decades to come. And, and to me, that sounded like just another kind of uh, transitionist statement and excuse. You know, the big oil companies say it all the time. Yeah, we get the need to stop burning fossil fuels, but not this decade or the next one or the one after. You know, we need a transition. And here, Rishi Sunak is justifying uh, a massive and mad investment in more fossil fuels uh, coming out of the North Atlantic in this case, on the back of the same argument that we need them for decades to come, which is just madness. He says it would be economically illiterate not to do this, but he doesn't seem to understand that the energy crisis that we're in the middle of right now that saw bills quadruple last winter was a fossil fuel crisis, not renewable energy, but a fossil fuel crisis. That's where the economic illiteracy is. Speaking of faced Muppet, did you see Donald Trump's response when he was asked about how you're going to sort of solve the cost of living crisis in the United States. He did a CNN interview a couple of nights ago, and he said, drill, drill, and drill, baby. And oh, that God. was his answer. Wow. And obviously the, the Trump fans gave a big round of applause. But he's he's uh, in trouble in court this week for some drilling, wasn't he, 20 years ago? Yeah, yeah. It didn't look what it got him then. You know, yeah. so uh, here we are. Here he is again saying, this is the only way ahead, really. I mean, it, it's just... 
it's so stupidly anti-intellectual, this position, isn't it? Like the only way as a human race, we've been developed, we do all this amazing stuff, medically, in terms of engineering, computers, artificial intelligence, we can do loads of incredible things. Look what we've done. Look how far we've moved. Look at the progress we've made over all our time on Earth. It's absolutely amazing. We you know, invented everything from the aforementioned wheel to the place we're in now where we can float around in, you know, almost in in drones getting from A to B. It's fantastic. And yet we're also simultaneously supposed to believe, according to the Trump sort of mog-like thinking, that the only way to heat our homes is to drill into the ground. I mean, you might you might think that kind of comparison alone would at least spark some of these people into a, a reality check that, yeah, that's a good point. There must be other ways. It is anti-factual. And I think really what's happening is it's a culture war. You know, on on the right, all of these myths are perpetuating around renewable energy. Like there are people that say that you know the energy crisis was because we've invested in green energy, mm. for example, and and we can't afford to get to net zero. And of course, we need decades to do it. And 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 um, yeah. and and it's becoming a culture war. I think there's a real separation between uh, people that say on the left and, and people on the right. Sure. And, and and this is. I think the next election will be fought over this topic in particular. I think the Tories will say, we can't afford to get to net zero. This stuff costs too much money. Yeah. We have to slow down. We have to take several decades and we need fossil fuels for the foreseeable future. And I think Labour was saying, no, actually, we can get to 100% in a few years. It's a good investment, actually, for yeah. the country to do this. Uh, it's about jobs, clean air and, and homegrown energy, actually, which can make us energy secure. I think that'll be a really vital fighting ground next uh, next election. But like you said, Sunak is already saying Britain will will need fossil fuels for a few more decades. And similarly, over in the UAE, uh, they're saying the world is not ready to switch off fossil fuels. And that kind of comes under the banner of they would say that, wouldn't they? Yeah, because that's the United Arab Emirates, right? Um, one of the great oil producing yeah, regions yeah. of the world. And so, you know, they're, they're at least hoping that, if not believing it, and, and definitely wanting it to be true that uh, they've got a future in selling this stuff for, to us for, for decades to come. But you know, meanwhile, you've got bodies like the IEA, the International Energy uh, Agency, saying we have to stop drilling for new sources of oil and gas. We've got enough already. We, we can't afford to burn what we have, and we have to stop exploration. So there's a clear divide between uh, people with vested interest they work in oil and gas politicians that want to make it a culture war issue and on the other side science uh, and and actually common sense really you know we we know that burning fossil fuels is causing the climate crisis and we know we have to stop what are we waiting for hi i'm mike graham from talk tv and i've been asked to tell you about green issues and a new book called manifesto it's brilliant apparently do you believe in climate change i don't Do you believe we all need to find a greener way of living our lives? No, I don't either. I think it's all a load of guff perpetuated by loony lefties and eco-zealots hell-bent on causing a nuisance. Do you believe we're all killing our beautiful planet? No, neither do I. But I know a fellow who does. His name's Dale Vince. He's so convinced he's written a whole book about it called Manifesto. The Battle for Green Britain. It's part memoir, part handbook for changing the world and shaking it up, apparently. I won't be buying it. But you can if you want to waste your hard-earned cash. It's $4.99. Pretty cheap, isn't it? You must be wealthy as hell. According to this script, it's available now from fgr.co.uk forward slash shop. Here's a question from Mick. He says, I know you've done plenty of protesting over the years, Dale. Does the Met Police treatment of suspected individuals ahead of the coronation shock you? 
what was shocking about that was was like the the kind of preemptive nature of it. They wanted to prevent any kind of protest, and and the Tory MPs afterwards justifying that by saying, "Look, the world was watching, so it was important that basically uh, we didn't let them see people that are opposed to the monarchy." All of all of that was was really incredible. But I mean, I heard the cops arrested somebody for a T-shirt that said "Not My King," and you know that's the kind of thing that you know you might think happens in China, might happen in Russia, but you know it's happening here in Britain. And the new laws the Tories have brought in to make pro protest harder are absolutely extreme as, as, as extreme as anything you might find in Russia right now. And, and, you know, that's, that's just so kind of scary and wrong. So shocked in a sense. Uh, yes, because, you know, we've seen the police get kind of violent before and do bad things and lie about it and all that kind of stuff. But to like, to snuff out a protest before it could begin for the, for the sake of the image of Britain, in, you know, around the world. Yeah, that was a bit shocking. But there was still lots of protesters. So the protest still went on in that respect. And the one thing I was, I thought was, I thought was very British, uh, because I interviewed one of the, the arrested protesters this week, and he, he gave a very good account of, you know, what they were trying to do. And I completely supported his right to be doing what he wanted to do, as I think any right-minded person would. Uh, but then a really weird thing happened, which kind of goes against the accusation of, you know, this authoritarian sort of Chinese state police force. Because w- when they realized they got it wrong, when they went around their houses and said, sorry, <laughs> which I thought was, right. it couldn't be more British than that. So we're dreadfully sorry. We really got that one wrong. Yeah, now, it, some would say too little, too late, but it was a, a slight twist on authoritarianism. No, you're right. You're right. What happened after the event made it look completely different. But uh, yeah, during the event, it was it was just like completely shocking. And and yeah, two thousand people did manage to congregate in protest. But we should be able to f- be free in this country to simply say, like, you know, we're we're not supporters of the monarchy. He's not my king. You know, we don't want yeah. it. And that was a scary thing for me that there was this kind of repression of that that Republican view uh, of life from the police of all people. COP28, I think, is going to be a bit of a focus for us over the next uh, bunch of episodes, Dale, because there's a lot of strange shit going down at COP28. Uh, And here's just another installment of that. COP28 hires lobbyists who opposed oil and gas tax. Uh, This, of course, comes on the back of the fact that the person running the damn thing supports (laughs) fossil fuel. I mean, the, the, the world is absolutely upside down on this one, and this is the latest part of the puzzle, it seems. Yeah, this one I looked at just bemused me. Just read the headline, like you, I thought. Well, look, COP twenty eight is becoming, uh, you know, something run by uh, oil and gas lobbyists and in- industrials. It's like the BP like that, AGM. You know? That's all it is, really. Isn't it? <laughs> That's right. Without without the annoying shareholders, probably. <laughs> and and I think there's more to come on this. You know, COP twenty eight. It's it's been subverted. Uh, you know, by the by the leader of a, of a massive oil company who's the president of it. And this is just the latest kind of symptom of that takeover of COP twenty eight by. Uh, the oil and gas industry, which when when you think about it, it's so bizarre. You know, if you wrote it uh, as a plot of a novel, mm. it would it would just look too stupid. Well, it would just be rejected, wouldn't it, as being complete? Well, that would never happen at an environmental global summit. You know, the the bloke running it has got major shares in X, Y, and Z, and the lobbyist has got this, and they're inviting, you know, the 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 board of Shell to sing a song at the end. I don't know what the hell's going on over there, but you, it would it would just be seen as simply not plausible. That's right, and it's interesting because you know I went to COP. 
uh, three and four, actually. And COP4 was in Buenos Aires. And it was when I um, first bumped into the level of like subversion that was being carried out by the uh, oil and the car companies. You know, I infiltrated a meeting, an early morning meeting with Greenpeace, uh, at which these guys just divided up the whole day. And they sent somebody to every session, to every meeting to disrupt and slow down and, and you know, throw doubt uh, on the agenda and stuff. And, you know, they've gone in that 20 odd years from being subversive to slow this thing down to actually leading the damn thing. Here's a question from Dylan on Twitter. Dale, you're uploading lots of interesting video content to Facebook these days. That just sounds all shades of wrong, doesn't it, when he says that? <laughs> Wait till you see Dale's only fans page. That's a whole different ball. Uh, <laughs> Dylan says, do you have your own YouTube channel yet as I try to stay off Facebook? I don't know why Dylan stays off Facebook, but YouTube is definitely a, a marketplace that more people are frequenting these days it seems mm, yeah i have no idea so my social media team uh, have, have been quite active we we create a lot of content uh you know we, we're up to a lot of things have a lot of ideas and we're just getting a little bit more kind of effective at putting it out across all social media channels i don't think we're doing it on youtube at the moment i'll mention it to the team uh, when i next see them we all work remotely now so we meet like once a week weather story here uh, there seems to be one of these on a weekly basis almost vietnam this time recording highest ever temperatures 44.1 celsius never happened in that country before yeah just another one of those uh, shocking records that have you know fallen they've got the highest ever temperature of 44 degrees like, like you said which is you know was on the verge of being unlivable by by human beings and uh, you know the people there are saying look uh, actually there's a climate change expert there saying that he thinks this is just going to continue to happen it'll be repeated many times this temperature and presumably increases of it and this is with the world having only warmed by 1.1 degrees C since the industrial era began. Meanwhile, the UN say we're on course at the moment for a three degree temperature rise. So this crazy shit is happening with just one degree and we're looking at three times more than that. And it's not linear. Uh, yeah. You know, the relationship is not linear. Maybe a lot of this is down to, uh, to education. And this question from Kelly uh, feeds into that, who says, uh, people in elected power, shouldn't be making decisions without putting the climate, biodiversity, and ecological systems at the forefront of their mind. Would you encourage or pay for carbon literacy training for all new and existing Labour councillors so they can make good decisions? Come to Brighton soon and bring big dunk. Also, give me a job. Open brackets. Please don't read that last bit out. Yes. <laughs> Which we just did. Um, well, I, I like the point there about Pining on issues this serious without knowing anything about it. Back to Jacob Rees-Mogg again. It's a fair point, right? Yeah, I mean, to, to begin at the beginning, putting the climate, biodiversity, and ecological systems at the forefront of all, all decision making—that's a great idea. That hasn't happened up until yeah. now. It's all been about money, jobs, politics, that kind of stuff. But that's the kind of uh, thing that we need to have. And there is a new labor organization—I forget the name because it's quite a uh, uncatchy name—that uh, I helped uh, fund to get going. And their intention is to give that kind of training to labor MPs so that they're competent in the media talking yeah. about these issues. I think this is a great idea. Labor councillors dives a level of politics deeper than that. So, like, I do support the idea and uh, you know if somebody was to come to me with a proposal that needed a bit of funding i'd take a serious look at it brighton yeah i'll try and get down there soon since the book tour was cancelled i'm not sure about big dunk he's going to have his hands full in a couple of months we've got our uh well first full season with him we're obviously back in league two we're busy recruiting right now i don't want to distract him with anything fair point 
And here's a final one to finish on, Dale. I love this story. The vegan family who confronted their neighbor about cooking meat. Uh, and this, they essentially put a note through their neighbor's door. It says, <laughs> hello, neighbor, comma. Could you please shut your side window when cooking? My family are vegan, brackets, we eat only plant-based foods. And the smell of meat that you cook makes us feel sick and upset. Uh, would appreciate your understanding. Thanks from Sarah, Wayne, and the kids. I think that's brilliant. I mean, on the one hand, it's super polite. And, and it's not very much to ask. You know, I've been in places, restaurants, uh, uh, other people's houses, actually, and the smell of cooking meat is sickening. It's, it's, it's really revolting. I'm quite sensitive to smells anyway. But, um, you know, when, when you don't eat meat, it doesn't take very long for it to become a really uh, you know, surprising, revolting kind of smell, you know. And, and I guess if you think about what's happening as well, you know, the simmering of a piece of flesh in some fat in somebody's oven. It ain't very nice. But what what do you do if because like a lot of people, this kind of one of those classics to use the phrase, it divided social media. So you have people saying, "Well, what if you organise a barbecue? What happens then? There's no windows to close, obviously." No, it's really hard. Isn't it? I mean, you know, I, I can walk around like festivals or or Saudi markets, and you know, it's a big thing to cook flesh in those places, and and you know, you get downwind of it, and honestly, I have to hold my breath and, and gags. It's, it's really revolting to somebody who doesn't eat meat. What what can you do about it? I don't know, but I know that we're, we're eating less and less meat all of the time. So I think it's a problem that's going to solve itself eventually. I mean, I don't think it's like a massive problem, but I think fair play to that family for flagging it up to their neighbor because now the neighbor knows, right, they can give us some consideration if they want to. Yeah, and they only said it's a side window. They didn't say, please seal your windows and <laughs> you know, right. cling film yeah. your home or anything like that. It was a very polite request from Sarah Wayne and the kids. And, and yeah. it's interesting because nobody ever did that really, as far as I understand it, about car fumes, right? For years and years, we've just accepted that other people's cars poison the air that we breathe and our cars do it as well. Yeah, and yeah. it's okay because, you know, cars cars are important yeah. and, and we just suck it up. There it is. Dale, uh, that's it for this episode. We'll speak in a week. Well, nice one. Looking forward to it. Cheers, Dale. Don't forget, of course, to follow this podcast from your podcast provider so that you get each new episode automatically. And really important, follow Dale on social media, twitter.com slash dalevince, facebook.com slash dalevince, and on Insta and on TikTok. TikTok too. <laughs> My favorite. Zero carbon. East off.